0: You're listening to The Elevate Podcast, featuring exclusive audio from Catalyst, the official singles conference of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ Singles Ministry.
1: I really just also want to thank you uh, for joining our class today. Uh, Again, my name is Jason Rain. We're going to really be talking about remembering your first love. And um, for Hootie, she's going to be sharing more about how she found her first love, how God was that first love for us. So as everybody keeps continuing to walk in, we just really want to invite you guys to come down to the front so you can be able to hear everything and see everything. Um, The slides that we will be uh, talking about are going to be up here behind us on the screen. And uh, pretty much at this time, we just want to go ahead and uh, take an opportunity to uh, just be able to go to our Father in Heaven. So if you guys would all join me. Good morning, God. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to share your word. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to just let your spirit be heard. I just pray that you allow both of us up here today just to be able to get out of your way, God, that your lesson is heard today, that it's not even our words. God, that it's your words. I just pray that you allow just the room in here just to have a, an open heart to be able to hear the lesson that you've provided, God. We just thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to teach together and just to be able to draw closer to you. I just thank you so much for just Catalyst and what it means to be able to connect to you, God. And what it means to be able to leave here with just a refreshed and a renewed relationship. I just thank you for you allowing us to really have that true love with you. I just thank you so much for your son. In his name we pray. Amen. And with that, no further ado. Well,
0: good morning, everyone, and thank you for choosing our class. As Jason said, we uh, know you had a choice. Um, Before I start, I wanted to kind of share uh, a little bit of my background that is uh, in in my spiritual journey to find God and find that um, first love for God. Um, For those of you who don't know, I did not grow up in a Christian uh, family. In fact, I didn't even grow up in a Christian country. Uh, My most exposure to the the Christian faith was in the history books and just the prophecy of of Jesus. So... um, but the faith that I did grow up in, um, I never could connect with. And the reason being is because I was uh, told to accept that God is God of killing and hate and punishment. God is sitting there with a stick waiting for us to make a sin and, and for him to punish us. And I, deep in my heart, I had this hard time accepting that that about God because I knew God loved me. I could kind of feel that love with me even as a kid. So I could never connect to even be able to practice that faith. Although I grew up around it. And... Uh, um was never able, never able to uh, connect with that. And it was until, I guess it was in the middle school, I had uh, this literature class. There was a um, our professor, our teacher, actually shared this um, verse of a poem from uh, from this like Indian uh, poet. He says, God does not expect us to answer for the, um, for the skies and earth. He's expecting answer for us for the flowers that he sent us. And it was kind of an... You know, my teenage you know, age and years, it was kind of an awakening thing for me to to kind of connect with that concept and say, well, that's the God that I feel, that it's the God I, I can connect with. And it's really like a lover sending you flowers, and all he wants is to for you to call back and just acknowledge receipt of that, the gift that he's sending us. So um, then I moved to the United States, and I somehow, God's willing, um started going to uh to church i used to try you know just going to impress my armenian friends in la and go to the like, armenian churches churches and stuff or um just to kind of like come be a company to people I-, I used to go to churches but um when I-, I was in the military actually again for those of you who don't know so when i got back from overseas in fact i was medevac due to medical reasons and all that I was in Texas, and somehow God, just the way he does, in a very unique way, reach out to you and kind of show you that, like, signs. And I decided to drive from San Antonio to Houston to go to, you know, mega Church, the famous uh, Joel Austin Church, um, almost every Sunday when I was temporarily stationed there in, in San Antonio. And it was there that I felt like, well, that I can feel that connect, connection. Some kind of, like, it's, it speaks my idea of God. And um, I did finally feel that closer connection with God. But there was still something missing. The connection was not complete. It was, it was feeling incomplete. I feel like I have connection is not consistent, though. I have high days. I have low days. I have days of denying God. I have days of doubting God. And for me, it was just not, I felt like something was missing. And I, that's when I went to the search for God and, and seek that real connection with him. In this process, when I, when I realized, uh, what I realized was that the connection that I'm seeking is, is really only a component of a bigger concept, which was the relationship with God. And uh, that is why I was feeling incomplete because I was just seeking for one component of a bigger thing, and it was, you know, I was getting lost in that search. Um, personally, in order to comprehend, you know, divine concepts, um, I had to rely on my limited understanding of relationships as a human being because I don't think any of can claim that we totally understand the divine being of God. So um, thankfully, having majored in communication, I was able to apply the standard formulas that I learned in school, uh, applied on personal relationships into my relationship with God and to try to you know, follow this, those steps to see if I can finally establish that relationship with God for it to work, for me to feel that real connection. And uh, when I put those steps or you know, put them in action, it's when I experienced immediate results. So I knew that I was, I mean, I mean even that was God-directed. He was, you know, it's, It was ordained by God to, for me to, kind of in my way and my even skill set or education or whatnot, as an analytical person, kind of like do it the way that I would understand it better or be able to have those strong convictions. And uh, I'm hoping that today with sharing that kind of approach that I made to establish that relationship with God, which worked for me, um, be able to help somebody else in the audience to, to try it and see if they, can, they also can find that spark that they're looking for into the fire of the love relationship with God. And I understand everybody has different approaches to, you know, establishing that connection. But I think that, again, focusing on, you know, just the formula of of relationships and just uh, our, our, you know, daily relationships, um, it still follows the same standard, you know, um, structure, strategy, I guess. But first let's see why we even feel the need to love and or and even to be loved. And when I started doing that kind of again, I wanted to make sure I'm I'm covering all the you know, all the you know, uh, steps of my research or whatnot in finding God. And um, I ta- I thought to myself, I mean, why do I even feel the need to love? Why do I even have to love? Why do what even God like even created like man and female? Can can we all like, be the same gender and not even have to worry about dating that we all scared about um but then realized i just uh opening the 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 bible in genesis 127 it says god so god created mankind in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them so that was a good you know hint for me well i love because maybe i mean just like the feeling of creative creativity like you want to create something we all get that from god because he is the ultimate creator just anything you can think of um that we have as human beings is because we're carrying God's image. So that was the answer to the first step of the question. And um, the next um, scripture I was looking at where God answers my question explicitly is that we love because he first loved us in First John 4:19. So for me, that was putting those two pieces together. I kind of was able to see the, the picture of the fact that I'm, get, I'm, I'm even finding this desire to love um, for God is coming from him actually because I'm carrying his image then in that case what better strategy to follow his manual his, his instructions into how to love and as we can see in, in, clearly in the scripture the reason we do feel love is because um, we, we have received it from God so technically God is the first love in fact the ultimate love in fact, um, go to the next slide. It says in 1 John 4, 7-8, um, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes... By the way, I'm sorry, excuse my ESL moments. Um, it says, for love, means, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. It just shows how much of emphasis is... God, even in his own word, is putting on love. And um, the fact that God is nothing but love. Now, again, going back to the formula that I used to, again, establish that relationship with God, um, with that love-based um, relationship with God, let's look at that formula that I used. I guess although communication or like, you know, relationships are more complex, we can all attest to some basic, I guess, uh, components of the relationship. And we can all relate to, again, if you guys want to try to really, instead of struggling with the whole divine concept, really bring it to your daily relationships, or your personal relationships, your, love, uh, your love-based relationships, and, and just look at it. Because God has actually provided many examples, including even Jesus, to to be able to connect with, with our level of understanding. So um, the first step... Hence, why we go on dates, if somebody can't answer, not you, Stuart, because you need to answer, It's to really, I mean, what's the purpose of going on dates? It's to really get to know someone. So that obtaining that knowledge of someone is, the, is a necessary step and is a very crucial step and is definitely the first step to even establish that relationship. I mean, unless you do that, you are strangers, technically. So, um, but what's what do you get out of knowing someone? I mean you obtain, you, know, you develop understanding for their values. Um, and that's, uh, that's the purpose of, of getting, to, well, I mean, that's an automatic result of getting to know someone. You definitely would develop understanding of them and especially their values. Now, applying this met- method in my relationship with God, I realized I need to first learn who God is. I need to obtain that or develop that knowledge about God. And I have access to a very great resource which was Bible, in my hand reach. I noticed I cannot possibly connect with God that I was trying to do if I don't really know who God is. And that's when I started studying the Bible. Now, once you get to know someone and you acknowledge those values in them, automatically comes the next step, which is you would develop Attraction. Also known as love, so you feel you you feel you know developing that feeling of love, and but just think about it. If that love is in vain, it's meaningless. I mean, you can just well, I love that thing in your mind, but it's not really unless it's put in practice, um, it's not or um, expressed. It would not help with the um, idea of developing a relationship so it needs to be expressed and hence there must be another step into the process, which is the last basic step of appreciation that that appreciation that admiration has to be expressed in order for it to be you know received and for it to form the relationship now. Again, the, ba- the basic, I guess, diagram for communicating that love, the expression of that love, is that there must be at least two main components. Before, in the, in the old uh, theory, they, they used to think that, you know, you're just sending messages is, is a communication. It's not. It's actually a communication. Um, you have to know it's is a, is a transaction with the newest, you know, model. And therefore, it cannot be one way. Same with love expression or communicating that love it must be sent and received in order for it to work for establishing that relationship so and again putting it to my attempt to um, establish a relationship with god um i realized that i have to you know that love has to be it's not only i have to love god it's not only god has to love me which by the way he did from the beginning of my life the, the fact that he was watching over me and guiding my steps just literally picking me from the other side of the world just going through the things that I went through to to find him, that just shows that um, that it must be like it's it's not it's not a one way thing. So I have to I have it's it's a, it's a send and receive process basically. Sorry. Now, so how do we receive? Let's let's instead of you know I'm gonna go, kind of go backwards into in that um, image. So let's let's focus on how we receive that God, God's love. We have great examples. The first example is actually his verbal communication of his love for us, which is the, one of the biggest you know, methods of communicating. Is that verbal? God clearly says that he loves us. Many times, many scriptures that we all attest to express his love, personal love, um, deep, intimate love for us. Example which is like Romans 5.8. Um Otherwise, other is Jesus, he gave us his most beloved son to us for our salvation. I mean, that's just the biggest expression of love for someone. I mean, if you love someone, you're willing to give your life to them. You know, just being a mother, you know, I'm willing to die for my son because it's a genuine, real love, and that's what I would be willing to do. And uh, other things is grace, that he just gave us grace. that like you're saved. You know, it's just take it. And, of course, the daily blessings and miracles that we all experience. Um, that's his way of um, expressing that. But for me personally, the one way that God really expressed his way that every time gets me really emotional, and not no offense, I just feel like a lot of my sisters and brothers kind of take it for granted, is that I deeply feel that I was chosen. I mean, I can prove that I was chosen. To be his disciple, to be his follower, and that—that it, that of itself is like he chose to have a relationship with me. Like he said, you know what, you—you you over there, like I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna date you. I'm gonna—I I'm to gonna have you. I wanna love on you. And that for me was the biggest blessing, you know, that he chose me, me, this like worthless, sinful person. He chose me, and that's the biggest expression of love that he had towards me. Now. I guess the part that we're all, most of us are challenged and I guess the whole point of my discussion is about is that we don't know how to express our love. I mean, we can all claim that we love God, but let me ask, sorry, are we expressing it? Are we expressing our love to God? I mean, do you, would you claim that you're expressing the love to God? Um, So um, for that matter, um, there's easy ways to express that love. I mean, it's just uh, the prayer, thanksgiving, giving thanksgiving to God, obedience, faith. Some of us consider our quiet time and prayers out of duty to God, as if he needs it, out of obligation. But the truth is, just like how if you would eagerly open a love letter from your loved one and would hold it close to your heart, you'd probably even find a diary box or something, you know, save it for life. If we would love God... Who would love God's word and eager to correspond with Him. Just let us just change our vision about even prayer that, oh, I gotta do my prayer today. No, it's like if it's really natural love that you develop for God by acknowledging, knowing His values, knowing things He's done for you, all of His, remembering His appreciation to you, you would be eager to correspond back because you're willing to, you know, develop this relationship. So the other thing that um, we all struggle with is that you know, with obeying God's commands. It is not merely a matter of following God's rules and maintaining good deeds. We naturally wish to please those we love. I mean, I guess we can all agree to that. When we love God, we will want to please him by following his commands. As it says in Psalm 48, I delight to do your will. That's how we should be towards even following God's commands, is that I, I'm, I'm eager. Like, just tell me what you want. Like I'm, I'm going to just do whatever you want. And that's with the normal, I mean, genuine love, and that's something I wanted to highlight is that that love must be genuine for it to work. In the famous Matthew 22:37, says Jesus replied, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment." And again, this scripture itself is so so powerful. How much of emphasis God is putting to make love. Not following him, not nothing else. Love as the first and the greatest commandment. I mean, what else should we do but loving God? I mean, it's just so simple, and it's just so like rejoicing. Who doesn't want to be loved? You know. Um, in John 14:15, also said, "Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth." That's another uh, necessity for for the nature of love that we have. I mean, you can have somebody tell you ten times a day I love you, but if, it, if it's not genuine, you can, you can tell. Y- you won't connect. I mean, I guess, we well, can I all agree that? So, um, same goes with our love for God. If it's not, if it's not from the bottom of our heart, it is not even valid. And just like Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, he says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person, and they with me. So God is knocking at our door today. I just want to encourage you guys to kind of just think about that. He's, he's there. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's, he keeps knocking. It's us who have to be willing to make the choice to open our heart, that door to him. At the end, again, to kind of recap, is that we are in a relationship with God, by choice or not, we are in a relationship with God. So I really invite you guys to make the best out of it. I mean, it's like a marriage. I mean, you're in a marriage, and that's mainly why God is kind of against divorce, in, in my opinion, is because once you are there, you've got you to put effort. It's not going to be easy. No love relationship is easy anyway. So you got to take, the, take, the, you know, take it upon yourself and just really put the effort that you need to towards that relationship. And But he's made it really easy for us. He's told us how we can can establish this relationship. We can continue. We can maintain that relationship. Speaking of which, Jason is going to talk about how to maintain that fire and that love, that spark that you have established with God. Thank you.
1: Uh Well, uh, I'm just grateful for how Hurdy was able to share just her life on how she was just able to really find and really experience God's true genuine love. And I just want to jump right in there. And we're going to go to Revelations chapter 2 here in verses 4 and 5. It says, yet I hold this against you, I have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. And one of the things that's so powerful that spoke to me was as I read the scripture is, if you look at the the word that I highlighted up there, it's a lampstand. And that's pretty much the author's talking about where he's going to take your light away from you. Uh, In in the first century um, church, a lampstand is something that they have in the tabernacle. And that's where they... It's very ornately made. It, it's really, and the most times, it's just made out of gold. It's, it's really refined. And in the first century church and back in that time, the, really the only metal that you could refine is gold. And the only way that you could refine that was by fire. And, and this is the imagery that God just kept putting in, in my mind, is, as, as a flame. And one of the things that just really spoke to me, just as God just put this lesson on on my heart, and as was called to teach this, that in a life of a flame, there's, there's literally three different stages of a fire that I was able to really look at. There's one that's the, that the beginning stage, and it's, it's the embers. It's really just the, the part that's kind of left over from a flame. And, and here you, you, just, you just have such uh, a vision of just all you can see is just a little bit left uh, of the light. And at the middle stage, I kind of called it a campfire, something that you kind of all want to get around and, and be cozy and kind of just kind of hang out there. And the last kind of imagery that came to me was just like a bonfire, where it's just like so big and so bright, you have to, you have to almost step back from it. You have to just be able to like, whoa, something's going on here. And in a fire, there's, there's just a few components, really uh, what you need to be able to, to have a fire. And as you look at it, you really just need oxygen and a fuel. And within those, and you have a little bit of a heat, that, that creates the fire. And for me in my life, I started to really look at this imagery, and I noticed that the oxygen wasn't something that I can control. It was something that was always there. It was something that was always around us. And for me, I started to realize that this oxygen was God in our lives. That even in the state of like the embers, God was always there. You know, but I probably wasn't adding my fuel to the fire to be able to allow it to grow. And this is where this lesson got really hard for me. Um, It was about six months ago. uh, I I got that, you know, that moment, as some of us know, when your evangelist comes up to you and goes, can we talk? And uh, as I heard the audible gasp, it's, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, everything's going good in my life. Everything... I'm serving God in such a way that it's like, okay, I'm at I'm at uh, church every Sunday morning. I'm at midweek every Wednesday. I'm going to Bible talk, but my role in the church, being a Bible talk leader and being uh, a communi- the AV tech was was more. I was there just to do a job. I, I I lost over the last years of my service where I knew I stored the equipment at my house. I knew. I was the only house that the brothers and my small group could meet at because no one else had a home big enough. And it, it was more of I opened my home and I opened my service to God out of obligation. And it wasn't out of connection. And, and this moment when we sat down early on a Friday morning before I was getting ready to go to work, which was hard enough because, you know, then you got to meet at like 5 in the morning. Um, he asked, you know, the first question he asked out the door was, how are you? Where do you feel you're at? And I'm doing good. I'm connecting. But he saw all right through me. God put him in my life to be like, well, have you thought of where you're at? How about the interactions you've had with the other brothers and sisters around you? How about just so much of it, your reactions that you've had at the church? are you really sharing your love with the worship team that you're working with? Are you really sharing your love with the other brothers that you're trying to raise up to take on this responsibility that you're doing? And right then and there, he uh, said, um, I really don't want to lose you as a brother. He goes, because I feel if you continue down this course, you're going to get lost. And he Said, I know you take care of so many things, but I care for you more as being a disciple. I couldn't care if the lights didn't turn on on Sunday morning, or the PowerPoint doesn't work, or the speakers don't sound right. He goes, I really care about your heart. And and like right then and there, I was like, so so what are we doing? Like what's like what's this grand plan? And and I was like, you know, right there, I wanted to already take control of the situation. I already was like, okay, so who's stepping up? And and he's like, I don't know. He's like, God's gonna help us figure this out. And then right then and there, I was like, okay, I started listing off all my tasks that I do, and that didn't matter. He's just okay, you know. He's like, like all right, tell me what else is going on. And um, what hit me here was he said, I care so much about you. I'm not worried about all the rest of the congregation that's coming to church because they're coming. I can see their heart. I can see the way they love God. And this really spoke to me because it really um, connected to me because it reminded me of a scripture that was read at my baptism. And it was out of Luke 15 where it talks about the parable of the lost sheep. And this, the, end of the, the end of the parable uh, in verse 7, it says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven Over the one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous who do not need to repent. And I was just floored. Because at that moment when he told me that for the foreseeable future, your only responsibility is to come to church, I was like, okay. And my first gut reaction was to be like, I just got fired all right, now what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? And what really going through it is, is, his promise to me is what actually I think started to change my realization was it wasn't that he was just going to take me from what I was doing, but he also committed to me that I'm going to meet with you every Friday for the next three months. Like he was really ready to jump in there and, and just help me understand that God's got such a greater gift for me in my life and this is where it's like I, um, I felt loved again I felt that someone was there through no matter what I was going through someone knew at a heart level that my good was not good my connection with God was not at a level that it needed to be and I was like, "Wow, someone finally noticed." I I wasn't that brother that just came into church, that served, that set everything up every day, and everybody walked by and didn't wasn't willing just to go. Oh, he's serving. He's a, here every Sunday. He's early and late, you know, on both ends of it. Um, but it, someone saw in my life, and while talking to one of the other brothers who's really close to my life, he uh, he recommended a a book that was um really powerful that kind of changed my life over the last so many uh, months, and it's a, a book that I have up on the screen. It, the author's by, uh, it's by Francis Chan. The book is called Crazy Love. And this book started to change my life because it really started allowing me to see further and further where I was. And um, in in uh, chapter four, uh, Francis Writes uh, a lot, and the title of it, it's about it's called the profile of a lukewarm Christian. And for me, as I started reading some of these excerpts that I'm going to share with you today, I was literally able on the border of the book to start writing. This is me. This is who I was, and this is truly where I was. It says lukewarm people attend church fairly regularly. It is what it's expected of them, and I thought it was expected of me to show up. They believe that good Christians do this because it's the good they should be doing. You know, and as disciples, for me, as I read this excerpt, I all of a sudden started to notice that it was like, well, I am doing the good things, right? I'm showing up. I'm serving everybody. You know, God, God will take care of me. But I wasn't taking care of my own heart. I wasn't taking the ownership I needed. And the other part that really just spoke to me was because I grew up in a Christian household. And I knew who God was. I knew who everything was. My parents taught me from a very young age that uh, when I got my allowance, there was like four little jars. There was the jar of saving, the jar of spending, and the jar to give to God. And so I knew right away, you know, even as a kid, I I struggled because I was like, you know, you get the dollar at first. You know, you're like five or six, and it was like 50 cents here, 25, 25. I'm like, I gotta give 25%? But that wasn't the point that my parents were pointing out to me. They were pointing me out to what what this excerpt really spoke to me on was lukewarm people give money to charity and to church as long as it doesn't impinge on their standard of living. And for me, I always gave to God. I wasn't worried. He's always taken care of me. I've always had a roof over my head. Um. I feel very lucky to even say that. And um because I just I know of so many stories that don't fall in that way. And when I looked at both of these areas as, as a lukewarm Christian, I started to notice that it's like God didn't care about the money I gave him. God didn't care about the way I served his church. God cared about my personal relationship with him. He cared about my heart so much that he sent someone to take everything away from me to be like, you just need to show up to church. And i that's where it's like when, when I got asked to teach this class, I was like, you're crazy. Like I'm not the person who should be up here like someone else should be. And they were like, no, this is why you need to be up here. Because this is why God has asked you to remind yourself what it is to love him. And I, and I just laughed when I read the class title, was remembering your first love. And I was like, well, that's been my life the last six months, is learning how to... Draw closer to him. And the other scripture that just spoke really powerfully to me is out of, out of James 4.17. It says, if anyone knows, or if, any, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin to them. And, and as I looked at all of these areas in my life, like, and, and I started really taking this opportunity to reflect and to grow, I started to know that I didn't remember what Hurry shared about that true, genuine love with God. I was so far lost that it was like when I went to really just get challenged in my time of my reading and my scripture, I was like, how do I even read deeper into God's word? I've heard these scriptures all my life. I've heard the, the many lessons given on communion. I've heard the many lessons about, you know, go out there, make a difference. And for me, it was just, it was words on a page that went in and went out. It never touched my heart. And at this point, I really found that there was a missing in connection. There was a missing in my affection for who God was and what his son really did on the cross for us. And it's when my heart started to be softened again that I I started taking off of those layers because my evangelist was willing to take whatever would happen to the church and all my responsibilities because he cared so much about me. And it's one of those things that, as, as God moved in my heart, and I really think about these areas, that I noticed that for the many different fires that um, that I was really at the stage of the embers. There was no light coming from me. I was not adding any fuel to the fire. My times with God were a checklist. I was literally being spoon-fed the scripture that came into my email in the morning. My time in prayer was, I got time to drive to work. It takes about 20 minutes. Halfway there, a car cuts you off. There goes that prayer. And it wasn't until I started to change who I was over this last about 68 months that I started to recognize that, my alarm clock didn't need to go an hour before I had to be to work. It needed to be two hours. Because I needed to set time specifically for where I was and what I needed to do to not get interrupted by that car cutting me off. Because that instantly Satan's like woo, just one car. It only takes one car. One red light, too. I can say that. <laughs> Gotta watch out for those. Um but i felt like i was okay i felt i was at that campfire it was cozy it was warm place to chill you know with your friends with with your with your fellow disciples uh but i knew i wasn't at that bonfire i knew i wasn't an example i wasn't someone that people should want to come and talk to i knew i felt comfortable and this is where when I finally took the day off and took some time to just really reflect, um, I can say I'm not one to cry. It's very hard for me. It's, it's something that I, I wish I could. Um, but I lost it that day. It finally was allowing me to see that these tears of true, genuine love that God had for me was what I needed. That I was willing to at a heart level to be, I'm so glad I feel broken, I feel lost, and I just feel so alone that God sent someone to rescue me. And and at that part, I was like, I just love the scriptures, how it's like God says we need to be weak so he can be strong for us. Because at that point, in all of my service, all I did was to take that provision, and I just wanted to provide, to provide, to continue to give, to, okay, as long as this is set up, as long as that brother is able to have, you know, D time at my house, or as long as Bible talk has a place to meet. But God didn't need me. Like, that's the part I really had to learn. And the part that, as I looked through these stages of fires, it brought a lot of challenges to me because it really started to challenge just my heart. And and to really look at that first stage. And for those of us out here, like a fire, there's many different stages. And with a fire, it doesn't always stay a bonfire. Because as even as a disciple, our lives like Hurry shared, there's ups and downs, there's lows and highs. And the only way God calls us to continue that is to continue to find that new way to add fuel to that fire. And so if, if you happen to recognize today that there's, you may not be that example, you may not be that person, or you're at the stage of the embers, I would just challenge you guys to ask others. To really be open in your life to be able to be, maybe I don't know where I'm at. Maybe I don't know I'm, I'm that example. Maybe there's a way that I can refine my schedule and connect more with God to be able to open my heart, to be able to soften your heart. I know for me, I wasn't even ready to ask. Like there was barely just enough light left that God was saying, I can still work with this. Because one of the um, messages uh, that a friend shared with me is, is, is basically about a story of a, of a pastor who came over to uh, a uh, a member's house, and you know, this, it was the, the total moral or kind of short of the story is, the pastor was sitting around the fire and they were talking, and he took a, a piece of, of flame out of uh, like a little ember out of the uh, out of the fireplace, and he set it on the mantle in, fr- in front of the in front of him, and they just let it let it sit there, and they kept talking, and and that ember it went out. It went, it went dark. And at that point, the, the pastor went up and he picked that ember and he put it back in the fire. And what he saw was that ember just lit back up. It started to glow. And that was, for me, it showed me that it's like I didn't know where I was at, so God had to send somebody to pick up my ember and put it back in the fire. And it was even at that point that where God said, hey, I have others around you to help you. And if you're at that stage where you kind of feel things are all right, you feel cozy, you feel comfortable, be ready. Because at that stage of the fire, life can go either way. It's the song by Casting Crowns that really spoke to me, is is it's a slow fade. A fire just doesn't go out overnight, unless you choose it to because you like douse it with water. But a fire slowly fades out. And at that campfire stage... We need to take ownership of our lives. We need to be challenged in our own walk to know that we have a choice in which direction we can go. We can grow into that bonfire and add that fuel, or we can continue just to let it draw out and let our fire, our flame, our spirit be unattended. And that's the true challenge of our lives And and I I know out here there are people that are on fire for God because I've seen you. I've seen you out in the crowd talking to those brothers and sisters, encouraging those people. I am just so grateful that that we have these people in our lives. And the part about the bonfire that I would like to ask for all of you guys is to really continue to set the example in the way that you have. God has allowed you to be in a great place right now to be just set on fire that you, when you walk into the room, it lights up. And, and in this area that, it's, that you get it also that God gives you the, also the responsibility to help be that person that can reach out to your brothers and sisters, that can share that light. And then through all of these relationships, it's, it's at any line of your walk as a disciple from when you're two months old to where you're five years where you're 10 years to your 20, that fire is going to go wherever, wherever you lead it. Your spirit's going to go wherever you take it. And that's the true challenge that God put in front of me was to recognize so much that I wasn't even ready to ask. And that's all we have to be ready to do is to ask God for His help because He's the one that provided this true fire in our lives. So I really just thank you guys for coming tonight. I really thank you guys for the lesson uh, that God put on my heart. And on that great news, we're done. And you guys are free till the worship night. Thank you, guys.
0: You've just listened to audio from the Catalyst Conference. For more information about Catalyst, please visit CatalystRetreat.com.